Thank you for subscribing to the Extra Mile Podcast. Help us out by leaving a review and a five-star rating wherever you download the show. After leaving a review, slide on into our DMs over on social media at Mississippi D-O-T and let us know. As a thank you, we have compiled a Google Map list of all of our guests' favorite spots to eat on Mississippi highways. It is our gift to you. Seriously, you guys are the best. We could not do the show without you, and we greatly appreciate the support. Remember... Drive smart out there on Mississippi highways. Hey everyone, I'm Marshall Ramsey. I spent a lot of time driving along Mississippi's highways, and I know firsthand the importance of safe driving. So put down your phone, ditch the distractions, and pay attention to the roads. It's that simple. Drive smart for roadside workers, for your family, and for yourself. That's nearly $2 billion, and that's money that's going to be spent on improving safety, enhancing mobility, and improving economic growth and development in the state of Mississippi. Yeah, and with this historic funding from the legislature, new construction will be popping up all over Mississippi. MDOT presents the Extra Mile Podcast. Men and women of the Department of Transportation are up to the task and up to make sure that we deliver a product that the taxpayers uh, can be proud of. So I'm ready for us to go to work. Welcome in to another edition of the Extra Mile Podcast Legislative Session presented by the Mississippi Department of Transportation. I'm MDOT Deputy Director of Public Affairs, Paul Catool, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Will Kraft, the Director of Public Affairs here at the agency. In the midst of the third uh, week of the legislative session, we've got a fantastic guest for you today. We have Mississippi's brand new Speaker of the House of Representatives, Jason White. He was first elected to the House in 2011 and represents District 48, which is Atala, Carroll, <laughs> Holmes, and Leake Counties. I had to get a pronunciation on Atala before the, uh, before the show. Nailed it. There we go. There we go. Speaker White, first of all, thank you so much for coming in and joining us today. We know you, ha- you are a very busy man these days. Uh, First-time guest, so kind of give us a little bit of background information on yourself, particularly why did you decide to get into politics and become a, a public servant? Very good. I'll answer that. But first, I want to thank you you and, and Will for having me over. You know, y'all y'all kind of got the reputation around the campus. This is the coolest podcast around oh, that's nice. going on. Awesome. So right on. Um, y'all may need to take the show on the road. That's uh, right. No pun intended with him. <laughs> hey. Um, no, thanks for the opportunity to be here. It's good. Um, we have gotten a session kicked off and going, and you know, right now everybody's still in a good mood, and we hadn't we hadn't <laughs> debated any hotly contested bills or policy yet, so everybody's still speaking yeah, to each other right. and going to lunch, and it's all good. So, Love it. Um, this is my beginning of my fourth session. I've been in the legislature twelve years, as you said, from, from 2012, um, representing parts of those counties: Atala, Carroll, Holmes, and, and Leake counties. Um, I live in the little town of West. It's about 250 folks there. It's my wife's hometown, um, and I practice law in Kosciuszko, which is kind of the center of my legislative district, with Carthage and Kosciuszko being the two big towns in my district, if you will. The metropolitan areas. Metropolitan <laughs> areas, that's right, the trade centers. Um, but, you know, my, I have clients and constituents that remind me often to some folks it's the capital of the world. So. That's right. Um, we, we love the hometown feel of that, that you get from our district. And, and so we're, we're working hard to preserve and, and, uh, improve that. Um, background for me, I, um, 
like I said, I grew up in Kosciuszko. I went to school at Mississippi College, and then I went to law school here at Mississippi College, just right across the street. Um, and I kid some folks, during my three years in law school here at, at Mississippi College downtown, I drove by the Capitol every day. I don't even remember looking out my window at the Capitol and thinking, boy, I'd like to go in there and be a part of that. When I, I mean, I knew what went on there. I just, I wasn't from a political family, and, and politics really wasn't part of our you know, history, so to speak, and um, had certainly, you know, nobody in my family had run for public office. So anyway, um, it's fast forward all these years, 25 years later, and I'm there every day now, you know, so it's, it's, it's pretty neat for me. And, uh, you know, what's the saying, man plans and God laughs. And so I never planned to be at the Capitol, much less, you know, being this involved. So that part's been a, been a cool ride. Um, but when I graduated law school in 98, I, I moved back home. Um, we live in West, and I practice law there in Kosciuszko and been there the entire time. Um, I've served as a city judge. Um, I've, I've also served as what we call a youth court referee, which is where you hear cases involving, you know, youth that have had run-ins with the law. So I've kind of – I also served the city of Kosciuszko as their city attorney. So I've been involved in different aspects of, of – um, local government, if you will, that kind of exposed me to this side of, you know, to the government side of it. And in addition, a board of aldermen spot came open in the town of West. And some of my neighbors, uh, one of which is a longtime 35-year uh, employee of MDOT, Ricky Farmer, who runs y'all's maintenance barn there in Holmes County in Durant. He's the head guy there. Uh, great guy, great ambassador for y'all, and, and a great neighbor to our community. Um, but Ricky encouraged me, said, you should run for this Board of Aldermen spot. Well, I did, and I think I got 40 votes, and I won of the, you know, 50 that were cast. <laughs> but here's the tricky part of the politics I didn't really consider. My mother-in-law is the mayor. Ah. So <laughs> fast forward, you know, all these years later, when I got to the legislature, somebody said, Jason, you're a nice guy. You'll never, you'll never last around this place. It's, it's rough and tumble, <laughs> and it's tricky politics, dude. And I'm like, let me tell you something. I was able to negotiate a deal where my mother-in-law was the mayor, and I sat on the board of aldermen, and I still get invited to holiday dinner. That's so right. um, I think I can handle what's going on here at the legislature. So anyway, um, when we're not working at home or, or in politics, we enjoy, you know, a lot of hunting, a little bit of fishing, but a lot of hunting. My son and I do a lot of duck hunting and deer hunting. And so that's if I have a hobby, that would be it outside of um, politics and work. So my law practice is a typical small-town law practice. We do a little bit of all of it including, as I said, representing the city of Kosciuszko, as well as several, like, utility boards, water boards, uh, Kosciuszko Water and Light, things like that. So it gives you an opportunity to plug in and out of the community, you know, in things that touch everybody. Um, and you get a real sense of what's going on, you know, in your community. That's right. And not to not to say not the least of these at all, but a big hobby. I know football family. We got QB one coming down to uh, Southern Miss. We don't have to get too far off into that, but very much looking forward to that. You we know? are we're excited about that. John actually graduated early in December. This is his senior year of high school, and he will he's actually moving into the dorm this weekend at Southern Miss. So I got my got my, my gear on today. So all right, sure we get Southern that. Miss to the top. What do they say? Southern Miss to the top. That's it. We're excited about that for him. He's worked hard, and so it's it's been cool to see that. Um, you know, dream be realized That's for him right. to get to play. And so we're, we're looking forward to hanging out in Hattiesburg a lot more. And in the, in the hub city, my good friend That's Toby right. Barker is the mayor. 
and y'all know he was a member in the legislature with us before he became mayor of Hattiesburg. So we're excited about getting to be down there more and spend time there. The good mayor is a fine fraternity brother of mine, so oh, okay. the, the roots run deep. Love me some Hattiesburg down there. Maybe man. we can talk off the podcast. That's right. I'll give you all the stories. Here. That's right. <laughs> there we go. Well, and you just mentioned a lot of this. Uh, you, you weren't thrust necessarily into politics, but found your way into public service. How about becoming the speaker? I know this has kind of been a new thing, You're getting kicked off right now. Talk a little about that experience. Well, that's kind of been a, I've been in the legislature 12 years and, and it's something, you know, some of the local press were, they were interviewing and, and I was digging them a little bit because they said, well, when is the coronation taking place? Or you were just handed the speakership. And I'm like, man, we've been working hard for 12 years, helping people, um, you know, accomplish their goals. We didn't just wake up, you know, and then they were kidding me. They said, oh, well, Speaker Gunn anointed you, you know, the next speaker and that sort of thing. We're like, look, we worked hard. And, but he did place me in roles. Um, first, I was my, in my second term, he made me chairman of rules, which is a, a, lots of legislation goes through that committee, but it's strictly commending resolutions where you're doing a resolution congratulating somebody on retirement or somebody's 100th birthday or 25 years in business or, yeah. what, or whatever it is. So most of that stuff is commending resolutions, which sound, you know, pretty, pretty lighthearted and not heavy legislation. But every member in the chamber, all 122, they want to recognize their local folks. So they come to see the rules chairman. And I was able to help those people get their stuff through, get their people there to recognize them on the floor. And so I got to know every member of the legislature, Republican, Democrat, black, white, from Tishomingo County all the way to the Gulf Coast. And you got to learn about kind of what's important to those members, you know. And as small as our state is and as few people as we have, it's still very diverse. You know, what's what's important in DeSoto County is totally different. What's important in Leake County and Carthage in the middle of my district or, or what's important in the Pine Belt. And so you got to learn the different areas of the state and the specific members um, and the things that kind of make them tick. And so that was great exposure for me to the body as a whole. And then the last four years, um, the speaker um, nominated me, if you will, to be his speaker pro tem, which is kind of the number number two guy. Um, and in that role, you're kind of just more of, you don't really have a real policy committee, but you plug in on major issues wherever. So, um, you know, I was able to plug in on the, the, the Modernization Infrastructure Act. Y'all remember when we did that and finally started doing some real diversions on the use tax that went to um, infrastructure, specifically yeah. things that are near and dear to y'all's heart for sure, but but also are to all Mississippians. So um, it was fun to, to be involved in that and help craft that. And then fast forward, whether you're talking about, you know, our, our major initiatives to cut taxes um, and, and some other things, you know, I got, I got to play roles in that, count votes. That's, that's a bunch of the pro tem's time is you're meeting with members to find out where they are right. on an issue, especially major initiatives that the speaker wants to push. So that allowed me too to, to, to really, you know, get to hang out and know each member as you're working through with them their issues or what their problem is with MDOT's legislation. You know, what can we do sure. to make it palatable to you or for your district to get it to where, you know, you want to support it. So um, that's kind of a little bit of my legislative career history. And, and while none of those roles, other than the pro tem role, maybe were, would, would have been considered high profile, they did allow me to, to be in lots of different circles that maybe I wouldn't normally have been in with, within the membership. Um, and, and so that was neat to, to develop those relationships that I think have kind of served us well as we've been trying to 
figure this out and, and gain the support for speaker, yeah. um, which, which we were able to do. But, and, you know, folks have, have, have trusted us with this and, um, we're going to work hard to, to prove their trust right. And, um, you know, it seems like we've had an unprecedented, you know, issue come up every year for the last, you know, decade, seems like, you know, but you know, all those things handled behind the scenes being plugged in with every member who's also dealing with those. I mean, no, no easy burden, uh, to lift there. I, I, I can only imagine. I tell people we have one of we have at least one of everything in the House of Representatives. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whether you want a banker, a realtor, a lawyer, you know, a doctor, like we there's somebody in there that knows more than you about whatever this specific issue is. Go find them and let's figure out before we go too far with this issue or before we mess it up. You know, we want to get it right. I can only imagine you know 170 plus opinions trying to navigate those, come up with a decision. Uh, no easy task. Right, yeah. And I'm, I've just been talking about our 122. When you throw the 52 senators yeah. on the other yeah. end of the building into it, um, yeah, it makes for, you know, it makes for fun times That's and right. interesting conversations for sure. Uh, no, no doubt, no doubt about that. So uh, let's, uh, let's drill into the 2024 legislative session a little bit. We'll kind of get into some stuff outside of transportation, but this is a transportation podcast. So what is kind of uh, on the agenda, on tap for transportation during this session? Well, there, there's lots of talk of, about dedicated streams of revenue to fund, whether it's capacity projects or maintenance projects. You know, we, we typically debate the budget that MDOT's going to have for those things. We have a brand new chairman um, of the House Transportation right. Committee. Um, Representative Steve Massengill was named just this morning. Um, we named him as chairman um, nice. from Hickory Flat. Um, and, you know, he's in the trucking business and... Uh. and um, they run about four or five hundred trucks up and down our highways, you know, throughout the state. So he's got a good feel for what's going on, you know, out on the roads from that standpoint. And Joseph Tubb um, from down in the Pine Belt will be his vice chairman. Okay. Um, I will tell you all, transportation, we just finished putting the committees as a whole together. Transportation committee is probably the second or third most requested oh, wow, um, really? committee in the legislature. Everybody, and, and but if you think about it, Everybody has roads in their district, yep. and, oh, and yeah. folks care about good roads and bridges and being able to get to school, work, and the grocery store. Um, and so it touches everybody, and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir about that, talking to you all <laughs> about it and to your people. Um, but it's, it's important. And so um, we, think, we think, you know, that we've made great strides in the way that we're funding it and trying to stay out of MDOT's way so that um, Brad White and, and y'all's team here Y'all are able better to, like, figure out the best way to spend that money and stretch that dollar as far as it'll go. And so sometimes in the past, I think the legislature, we hadn't done a good job. We've, we've done a poor job by getting in the way and complicating y'all's mission by saying, okay, well, we know you've got your plan, but we want these three things too. And so sometimes that complicates the planning that y'all need to be able to do from a design and build standpoint and just from a budgeting standpoint. So I want us to be less about getting in the way with the long-term plans as y'all lay it out. Y'all know more about roads, building roads and um, the maintenance and, and what it takes. I want us to figure out the money piece of it, get y'all where you need to be, and then we need to I – hope, I hope we can do a better job of staying out of MDOT's way um, because people are liking the, the maintenance projects that they see going on and the paving and the uh, bridges finally, you know, we're, we're, we're getting back. We That's were right. at a critical point and we're getting back. And so the one thing taxpayers don't fuss about is their tax money going to roads and bridges. Now, they, they argue and debate every other form 
that we spend tax dollars on. I mean, you name it, what, what, whatever the issue or agency is, they've got opinions on it. Most folks all agree from both sides of the aisle they want to support infrastructure and roads and bridges and the things that y'all do. So um, you got that going for you in a big way. <laughs> everybody's, for, everybody's for your budget. You know what I'm saying? For, uh, we're but, for that too. <laughs> but I want, us, I want us as much as we can to not mire your agency in red tape and, and, and directives and stay out of it with pet projects and let y'all make those decisions, you know, Y'all know where the where it's needed more than we do, and and hopefully the politicians can can let y'all do what y'all do best. Well, and, that, and that's something Brad, uh, our Director White, he you know says often that you know having that earmark free appropriation bill allow that full flexibility. One of the things that we're most grateful for uh, in that appropriation process, it's, and it's gone a long way. You know, from getting staff numbers back up uh, to pay scales, you know, even corrected. Uh, lots of appreciation to be said about uh, the way y'all have helped us right. out with that. Well, you hear people you. all the time say you know, you should run government like a business. And, and there, there's a lot of truth to that. There's sure. some things you can't because government is, is expected to fund some services and do some, provide some services that taxpayers and, and, and voters expect. But as much as we can, that's the way we would like MDOT to run. That's why we tried to get out of, you know, um, just, just ironclad pay scales and let y'all, you knew best how to budget your money for your people and for your maintenance projects and, and capacity projects. And so, um, we want to take the cuffs off and let y'all do that and make the dollars go as far as they can go. And then if something is not good, your first answer isn't, well, y'all made us do it this crazy sure. way. You know, I won't, Brad has agreed that this agency will be accountable if we will allow y'all the freedom to work it. And so that's what, that's going to be our main goal. In addition to that, we want to look at, at, at showing up and being sure that long-term the diversions that we do have coming, um, to different, to different, I would call them pots of money over sure. here. The different things that y'all do, we want to ensure that those things are kind of set where y'all can predict and budget, you know, in a reasonable and long-term way. And I know you, we talked about, you know, that that long-term revenue source there, stream. Don't know what that answer is going to look like. I'm sure it'll be, you know, talked about to great lengths, but. Um, Still looking like we're doing another round, emergency road bridge fund, some of those things. Keep yep. going. Awesome. I know the folks out there love that. Well, you know, there, there's no denying that the state's bank accounts are full right now. And so, as I was saying, one of the things folks like seeing their money spent on are, are road and bridge projects. And so um, we're glad to do that. And right now, while we, these are good budgetary times for the state. And so we want to we wanna do as much of this as we can yeah. while we've got it. You know, we're, it was not like when I got elected 12 years ago. We, we were depleting the rainy day fund just to make bare bones budgets for all agencies and, and all areas of government. We're in, a, we're in a different world now. We've got a, you know, to, to whom much is given, much is expected. Right. And so, so we've got to be good stewards of these surpluses that the taxpayers have sent us. That's a lot of good news right there. Yeah. This is all positives. Love to hear it. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. What about as far as, you know, we, we talked about some MDOT specific stuff. You know, and, and we love to hear it. That's what we're obviously focused on a lot. But uh, much like any other taxpayer in the state, everything that goes on over there impacts us. What about some other things you guys have on the forefront? Any priorities that may, may be coming up? Well, something that would be near and dear to your listeners, um, your, your, well, you've got lots of listeners, but specifically your employees and, and the folks in your agency is a lot of conversation centered around the public employees retirement system. Oh yeah. Something that either your former MDOT, your retirees are enjoying today or that the ones that are here now, um, 
are, are planning on enjoying in the future. And you're looking at one here. Yeah. Um, my wife is a PERS retiree. My mother and dad, are they were both educators. They're retired um, state employees who received PERS. Lots of conversations started last year when, when the PERS board voted to raise the employer contribution mm-hmm. 5% from 17.4 to 22.4. And, and that caused great concern among local governments, both city and county, as well as state agencies were like, this is, this is a real number in the budget. Like a, a 5% bump is, is huge considering, you know, the razor thin margins that, that mm-hmm. so many of our agencies run on. So everybody agreed at that point, we need to pump the brakes and look at this system as a whole. What can we do different? What can we do better? Nobody's looking to change benefits for retirees. That's not the thrust of this. The thrust of this is let's identify the problem and be sure that long-term PERS is sustainable and viable and, and, and a vibrant retirement system. Um, but, but the first step is acknowledging that there is a problem because for a long time when, when maybe an actuary or, or somebody that was really looking at the numbers would say, you know, this thing looks, it may not be funded at the level it should be funded for the benefits we're paying. Um, the response fr- from PERS was, oh, time's going to work it out. This is a long-term deal and investments will get it and that sort of thing. But we actually paid out more benefits last year than we took in, oh, wow. and and so you know my my high schoolers, my kids at home can do the math real quick and figure out if you don't change something about the way you're doing business, you know it's a long term problem. Now it's not going to run out of money tomorrow or next right. year. I'm I'm not here to say the sky's falling. I'm saying it's time for an adult conversation about the future of PERS and and being responsible um, stewards. Um, of taxpayer money and figuring out what's best long-term for our PERS retirement system. And so I want to be a partner in that. I want the PERS board. And we've had good conversations. Their executive director has been, been very um, open, and um, we've enjoyed good dialogue. And so um, we're going to get smart people around a table like this, and we're going to figure it out and do what's best. It's yeah, 22-ish years away for me, but like you said, it is it is taking a lot of real forethought to to handle that. Well, and when you figure the politics of it, you know, there are about 140,000 state employees. There are about 120,000 state retirees. That's 250,000 people wow. who are not only voters, they're engaged voters. Very much. And so, yeah. you know, the legislature is very, you know, attentive to what, you know, those folks have to say on the issue. So we want, we, you know, we want to be responsive in that way. We just want everybody to understand, both retirees, both employees of, of, of the state and taxpayers around the state to understand this is a real issue and we need to, we need to get a handle on it. Love it. Absolutely. Another one I would ask about, you know, uh, I think we, I mentioned this to Brad the other day, daycare is expensive. You know, everything <laughs> hits the pocketbooks these days. Anything more coming as far as income tax or tax reform in any way? Um, yes. Conversations continue um, to go on around that issue. And here's why. We continue to take in almost a billion more dollars than we spend. Oh, wow. Like we're running the surplus again this year. We'll be up several hundred million dollars. Um, our budget, you know, will be between a, a, around six and a half billion, but we're going to take in close to seven and a half. So as long as we're running these large surpluses, you're going to hear my, my Republican colleagues in the House continue um, to harp on this idea of it's time to give the people back more of their money. You know, and two years ago, we did pass, as I mentioned earlier, the largest income tax cut in state history. We're at full phase in, in two more years, we will be a 4% flat tax state. And among states that pay income tax, that's the sixth best in the country. Now, there are a few states that have no income tax. Unfortunately for us, 
our sister state in Tennessee doesn't have one. And then, you, of course, you've got Texas and Florida close so um, that don't have one as well. So we're striving to get there. And, and as long as revenues continue to hold like they are and we enjoy these surpluses, I think you're going to see a continued methodical approach to whittle on that um, so that you keep more of those hard-earned dollars. It. You know better what to do with that money than we do um, in state government. So um, we just want to be mindful of the core functions of government that sure. we do have to that we do have to provide, such as good roads and bridges. So, right. so there's you know somewhere in the middle there is is the uh, is the answer. And so we're gonna we're gonna keep working hard on that. Love it. That's excellent. That's that's all more more good news for sure. So uh, we've got some fun questions coming up for you. Did, did want to give you an opportunity. Any other legislative legislative priorities on the House side you want to quickly mention? Well, I won't I won't get off in the weeds on them, but we're gonna we're gonna take a long hard look at both our. our and, and these are, you know, these are things that you hear all, every politician that comes in here could probably say, oh, we're going to work on education and health care. Um, but again, it's like roads and bridges. Those things touch every Mississippian's, like you were just talking about child care. Or, you know, how we, folks for the first time in this last election cycle, instead of it being about maybe some red meat Republican issues that are near and dear, you know, to me as a conservative and, and to, my, to my main supporters, for the first time, they were asking questions like, Jason, what are y'all doing to make sure that our hospital stays, you know, um, viable here in this community and I still have health care options as far as is, is somebody going to be at the emergency room when I show up or am I going to show up one day and that thing's going to be locked up? Um, are, are my doctors still going to be here? Is the clinic going to be here? Those kind of things. And so um, we want to be sure as now, again, things change you know there's a reason we still don't have a movie theater in the little town of west where i live <laughs> you know folks move and and are very mobile these days and move around and so it, it doesn't look like it did 50 and 60 years ago when sure. we were building so many community hospitals those hospitals may have to adapt and and look different than they did our our hospital in kosciuszko did a major renovation now we have a brand new state-of-the-art um, emergency room now we're not running 60 or 70 people in the hospital every day like like that, I was born at that hospital. They don't oh, deliver wow. babies there anymore. You know that was that was only fifty years ago. But <laughs> but my point is that it's a changing landscape of healthcare, not just in Mississippi but nationwide. And so it's tricky for us being a very rural state and folks being accustomed to that hospital being right down the street. I want it to be there. I'm just saying it may look different and sure. deliver service. I want them to have a place to be stabilized in an emergency situation, and then let's get them somewhere else if we have to and so folks are going to be willing to have there's going to be some give and take there with communities but taxpayers and voters for the first time were asking like real pointed healthcare questions about access and quality of care that that i really hadn't seen in my prior main two election cycles like we saw this time and so so for for especially for my republican colleagues for the first time um we're going to try to really dig in on that issue and and look at it um from from all aspects, I'm here for Excellent. it. Yeah, especially you know those like you just mentioned out in the rural, uh, more rural parts of, of Mississippi, that, a huge issue. You know, my grandmother down in Jupiter, she's got to come to Jackson every time, right? You know, when she needs health care. So, I very much appreciate all those all those com uh, comments and lines of thought. Absolutely. Um, anything else legislative that you'd like to mention? Well, you know, I could talk about forty things, but but here's the thing to know about this session and any session. There's always one thing that comes up that nobody thought of, like, sure. like that nobody was anticipating, whether it's, you know, uh, 
a, a hot button issue, maybe something happens in a Supreme Court case that, that throws something into the sure. limelight and all of a sudden every member of the legislature has got a bill to change, you know, whatever. Um, I remember one of my first years in the legislature, there was a bill that was getting no traction about doing away with the inspection sticker. Oh, yeah. And, right, and this right. guy had been filing it for a few years. Y'all remember going and getting I your do. inspection Absolutely. sticker annually. And somebody somewhere found out that that bill was alive and well, and there began to be this groundswell of, of support, like grassroots, if you will, of get rid of the inspection sticker. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it was like this feel-good moment. Everybody was like, we're doing something good that people really want. They are nagged by that $10 inspection sticker once a it's year true. that they forget about. It's true. Um, our vehicles are, you know, obviously much more modern and, and um, safer and that sort of thing. There was a time for it, I get it. But we'd kind of moved on, you know, in a modern society from it. And so um, nobody anticipated that. And then after the fact, everybody's like, why don't we do this? 10 years ago you know what i'm saying nobody all these smart people and nobody really pushed it so there'll be something that bubbles up some hot button issue that that so it's interesting for me to say what is that going to be um this session what will be the unknown thing that can sometimes dominate the day that's funny and it won't be too much longer you know you'll have to talk to young folks and they won't even know what an expect inspection sticker oh yeah was, that's know. right that's right. I've, I think I've still got my last one from 2014 or so. It's still on my truck. I've got one on, on one of my old trucks that's still on it. It's kind of just a badge of honor. A little piece of memorabilia. That's, that's right. right. That's exactly starting to peel a little bit on this. <laughs> there you go. Well, you want to wanna hit us with the, the most important question. Yeah, sure. I'll take the first one here. So, you know, as we've discussed, you spend a lot of time running around the state all over. you got to eat. Uh, do you have any favorite spots? Maybe one that you don't get to go by very often. Maybe one back home. You got a new spot open up. Any places that you love to eat that you want to mention? Man, it's a tough question. I'm I'm a big old boy. You can tell I like <laughs> to eat for sure. Um, it's it's uh, it's one of my favorite things to do. When when we're here in the metro area, especially when we're in session, you know, um, it's it's hard to it's hard to not be at Walkers or. Tico's or, oh, or yeah. Kessler, um, or even Chapley's. We, you know, we love there and, and and the privacy that it offers as well. So, so those are cool places. Uh, my wife's favorite probably is Walkers, and so so she Fantastic. loves she loves going there. And then close to the cap, you know, our lunch spot tends to be either you know Manship Martins or or Howlin' Miles still. You know, the red beans and rice there still Absolutely. killer. Absolutely, um, you kind of go there and hide out a little bit That's if right. you're looking for a quiet lunch. You know, to get away from the political crowd a little bit. Um, so those are our, those are like our little local mainstays here around town. Now, in my district, there's a place called Carmack Fish House. Okay. Um, it's between Vaden and Kosciuszko on Highway 35 North, and they have some fine fried catfish on that buffet. That is my so, cup of tea right there now. So we like it. Uh, my wife and I really enjoy it, and what we really like to do is ease up there. You know, it's about 10 miles. It's, it's, it's not close to anything, you know. It's it's several miles from Vaden and, and several miles from Kosciuszko or, or West where I live, and so um, sometimes we like to just go order it, take out, and get it and bring it back home. It's pretty cool to have it that Carmack. way too. So Carmack Fish House, I highly highly recommend it. I love it. Love that. Good we, some fish. We have a running list. Drew, our producer, has a list. Like a you can actually like go on Google and like look at all the places. So. That is definitely going on. There. Added to the list. Added to the list. We said at some point we're going to go film an episode with everybody at the spot they mentioned. So, Carmax uh, folks up there, if you're listening, we're going to be hitting you guys up for a live show at some point. <laughs> no we're doubt. Do a taste testing feature while we're there. We're going to do it. So, listen, besides uh, food and MDOT Public Affairs, the water cooler talk uh, revolves around music. 
So can you give us a favorite musician or maybe a favorite concert that you've attended in, in your life? The favorite concert recently was last spring. Y'all remember Morgan Wallen came to Ole Miss oh, yeah. and, and Hardy opened up for him, who's a Mississippi boy. That's right. So, yeah. you know, I'll have to admit, I, I'd heard his songs on the radio a little bit and, and his 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 opening for Morgan Wallen that night, was a, it was a little bit edgy for me. But fast forward to this past week, Governor Reeves had him That's at his right, inaugural yeah. gala, if you will. And he came out, and Hardy did, and he just sat down on a stool and played acoustic for probably an hour, hour and a half. It was pretty awesome, awesome. To, see a, to see a Mississippi guy stand there. And, and he not only played songs he's had on the radio, but he played several that he's written hits for, for yeah. the Florida Georgia Line and, and uh, when they did their deal with um, Morgan Wallen, Up, Down, and all that. Yeah. He wrote those. He wrote several of Morgan Wallen's number one hits. He played those just acoustically on the stool. Yes. He hit a home run. It was it was outstanding. So um, it, to be, it was cool for it to be a Mississippi guy. The other thing I will tell you is my other favorite concert, and it's been in the last year, y'all remember Marty Stewart hosted Dolly Parton at Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Oh, and wow. my wife had always wanted to see Dolly Parton in concert, and she doesn't do a lot anymore. Um, she came and did that benefit for the – uh, Congress of Country Music that, that's Marty Stewart's dream that he's building there on the square in Philadelphia, which is a cool project. But anyway, she came as a fundraiser for that. And we got to go because the legislature's been involved in helping get that project off the ground and, and helping that community get it going. It was really cool to sit in sit in that old theater right off of Main Street in Philadelphia. And you're, I mean, I could throw a football and hit Dolly Parton. <laughs> and Marty Stewart sitting on a bell of hay just playing songs, and she would tell a story about how that song got written, and Marty might sing it with her. It was really cool. It was a neat experience. It was kind That's of awesome. a Mississippi moment there. It was pretty neat. Very much so. That was like my first introduction to uh, bluegrass music was uh, uh, Ricky Skaggs and uh, Marty Stewart and Kentucky Thunder playing some of those bluegrass yeah, songs. Yeah, that's good stuff. Love that stuff. Hardy's probably one of my favorite artists out, though, so spot on with the recommendations today, man. Spot on. There you go. We do food and music very well in the state of Mississippi. <laughs> We're biased, but it's very true. We have some of the very best, no doubt. No doubt about it. Speaker White, thank you again for making time for us. No, like we said, very busy. Appreciate you stopping by. Appreciate y'all having me. Good yes, to be here. Yes, sir. We'll go ahead and uh, end the show right now. Thank you to our listeners, our viewers for, viewers for tuning into the Extra Mile podcast. You can watch and listen to episodes by visiting goem.com forward slash the extra mile. Uh, follow us on social media at Mississippi DOT is the handle there. We want to thank our producer, Drew Hall, who makes things go behind the scenes. And remember to drive smart out there on Mississippi highways.